Welcome to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and today, three new films, all of them high-profile, all of them unique, and quite different from each other, including Dunkirk, Chris Nolan's magnificent new British World War II film about the remarkable rescue of more than 300,000 soldiers from certain death. And a ghost story. That's Texas director David Lowry's melancholy take on a marriage, the death of a spouse, and the need to move on in this life and beyond. Starring Oscar winner Casey Affleck and Oscar nominee Rooney Mara. And the big-budget, eye-popping epic. It's called Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, and it's written and directed by French filmmaker Luc Besson. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. For this week's pairings, I will toast a ghost story and a house that just couldn't be left, as that's the take I took on it with a wine from one of the ghost wineries of Napa Valley. And I was so moved by Dunkirk and the vivid portrayal of events on that beach in World War II that just any wine wouldn't do for this film. So instead, I will give these British boys what they really wanted, a cup of tea, the best in England to be precise, voted number one by the London Telegraph. And I was sad to miss the show last week, so big thanks again to our friend Chris Wagner for stepping in. I was out in Napa and Sonoma toasting some of our favorite wines, and we'll we'll touch on a few of those a little bit later in the show. And and also, Gary, I want us to just hit on Oakjaw for a minute, because it's a yes. film that both of us have been thinking quite a bit about. So we'll get to that. We'll get to Oakjaw in yeah, a little bit. Yeah, in just a little bit. But let's talk about a Dunkirk. A film that first. we can't stop thinking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Dunkirk is a $150 million budget. It's elegance. It's substance. It's got a relentless soundtrack by Hans Zimmer. It's the Allied soldiers from Britain and Belgium and Canada and France. They're surrounded by the German army on the beaches of Dunkirk, France. And they're evacuated in what they called Operation Dynamo. And that's between the 26th of May and the and 4th of June. That's 1940 during the early stages of the Second World War. That's before the Americans were, Absolutely. were even involved. And, and, and they had pretty much, I mean, all the Allied forces had been completely pushed back. I mean, they were evacuating. Yeah. They were, you they know, basically, the beach. Yeah, yeah, Germany was coming in. And if they had, you know, they were, they were ready to go to, to go to Britain, go to, you know, take over the world. And, and, yeah. and thankfully we, we saw a change. Well, but yes. it is. And it, it is a rescue movie. There's a lot of death and destruction in it. I'm, I'm going to say this is almost not quite, but almost a bloodless war film. There's not a lot of blood in it. There's mm-hmm. a lot of water. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people uh, efforts to save themselves from drowning. And there's certainly a lot of death, but you're right. Yes. There's not a lot of gore. Yes. And it's also got uh, Harry Styles in yeah. it from One Direction. Yeah. And, uh, he's his own. He is a singer in his own right. I love him. He's not a One Direction guy anymore. He's no. got his own direction. Yes. Right. He has, okay. he has the best direction. And it's Kenneth Branagh, uh, who plays the commander, British commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cillian Murphy, who's uh, a pilot that gets shot down. Mark Rylance, uh, who won the Oscar for Spielberg's Bridge of Spies, is one of the little boat captains. Tom Hardy, whom we love. Who's been in a Chris Nolan film before? He was. Um, he, was in, he was in the second. Yeah, he um, was in the second Batman. Batman or the, yes. Yeah, I think it's the third one, and uh, and and again doesn't have to speak. A he lot. has a mask on <laughs> again in this movie because he's a pilot and he's. It's so emotional. I mean, what he does. They used the original planes and retooled them, and Nolan is not a special effects guy. He wants to mechanically do everything with optics. So he's he's an optic special effects, but those are also. They found a lot of the original boats that planes and boats that and the, rescued the small, back then. exactly the small the small, the small dinghies essentially all the all the passenger kind of all the all yeah. the personally owned 
boats that that went in to do this rescue. All these Brits came over the channel, yeah. and their little boats. With because, their little, yeah, their little tiny like because like the channel was Sunday too boats. narrow for yeah. the big ships to come in. Plus, they were being bombed, and that they even rescued three hundred thousand people is rather extraordinary because you think they're all gone and they're all lined up on the beach. They're just sitting targets. They're just yeah, they're sitting ducks. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a it's a huge film. I, I'm gonna say that I I think this is one of the best. Uh, war movies I've ever seen. I, I, the only one that's better might be Private Ryan, mm-hmm. but they're completely different kinds of film. Absolutely. That's a much tougher film, and this is more elegant. This has so much... I left feeling so hopeful about human beings and what they're capable of doing, and yet there's a lot of tragedy in it, but it's air and it's land and it's sea, and the movie keeps rotating in time in those different elements up there with the pilots down in the ocean with the boats and the people on, on side in the ships, big and small, and then the, the people on land trying to get out of there. I think that Chris Nolan has written, you know, this is a guy that did Dark Knight. This is a guy that did Inception. He did Memento. He just, this is the best, by far the best film of the year so far for me. And I think I said that last week with Baby Driver mm-hmm. because I think this is, the, this is an Oscar contending Best Picture nominee for me. Well, I yeah. think that it and it did as a as a a history buff and history major and 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 someone who took a lot of of war classes and and studied a lot of war um uh, just history and and a lot of war dramas. I think it cuz also being a film major, we I saw a lot of of the early like like films that were made cuz there have been a lot of films made about World War II. Yes. But there's such a I don't I don't know if poetry is the right word, but there's a real there there's a there's a beauty to this that that I don't think we've seen in a lot of other war films, and I and it's just it seems so harmonious. I don't know if that makes any sense. But I do. It's like a well balanced meal. Yeah, but but there's also yeah. and 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 in so much tragedy, and and you yes. feel the the pain, and you also really understand. You know, as as Americans, we weren't taught. About the Battle of Dunkirk as much because we the Americans weren't in the war yet yeah, as we, we said and and so this was really the and 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 what the Brits were going through because the Brits were going over there to save their own I mean they needed to basically rescue their army entire back army to yes. to then rebuild and and go forth and and you know there was a a, a very a, there was a big focus on you know what if you're French you can't get on our boat even though we're all the Allied forces right. the the goal was to really go in and 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 rescue these these boys and they did they looked yeah, they like did. they were babies yeah they're they're babies and which is true of combat all the time yeah yeah, yeah. I I just I think poetry is a great word. I use the word elegance, and I think it's the same thing. This this has a rhythm and a flow to it that's unlike any movie we've seen. You get a chance to see it in IMAX. It's not in 3D, but it was shot in 65 or, I think, 65 millimeter or 70 millimeter. And it's just big and beautiful, and it's heart pounding. Mm-hmm. It's, I think there's music through the entire film. Yeah, Hans Zimmer did a, a beautiful it, score. It's for like it. that's an amazing score just mm-hmm. to make that work. So we love the film. I mean, so yes, it's love awesome. the film. And but the one kind of constant, and and there is a scene where where finally some of these these boys, and I continue to call them boys because that's mm-hmm. the, really the the best way to describe them, get on one of the rescue boats, and they all go under underneath, and they they are, there's a scene of them just scarfing essentially bread and jam bread and jam bread and jam and bread and jam and and english tea and and that's and then there was another there was another occurrence with mark rylance saying just just go down and 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 have a cup of tea get the boy a cup of tea have some more tea you know that's really yes. when when you think of something that's so kind of iconic 
iconically British or English, it's English tea. So thought that that would be um, the perfect pairing for nice. this because these they were just so thirsty and and it's also almost if they had a cup of tea that was their that was their symbol of home. That was their little point of hope. And yes. that you yes. know English black tea was there yeah. was the kind of like okay you're going home this is this is what we can give you. Um, the bread and jam and the tea scene really, I just was was really yeah. moved by that. Um, so w- one of the not the number one um, tea in England because that's Twinnings, which is the best selling tea of black tea in England and has has been for for some some time. But I found another one that I just love. It's um, Taylor's of Harrogate Yorkshire Black Tea. It's the fastest growing black tea in England. It was no started. Um, it's still a family business. Started in 1886. Um, it's earned the royal warrant as an official tea supplier of the Prince of Wales. Well, that's a big darn deal. Well, and one thing that I really loved about this particular product is they do the, their they don't take any shortcuts. It's a very high quality product, and and then they also have a a, a great focus on giving back. They um, are the founding members of the Ethical Tea Partnership, and they um, form strong partnerships with other alliances like the Rainforest Alliance. And so they they kind of just, the, the focus on being a good steward of the land and working with farmers that are good, um, that are respectful of the actual product, and, and again, kind of giving back to others, I just always really love. So They want to do good it. things in the world? And, and, and make some lovely British tea. Nice. That was my British um, uh, uh, pairing for you. For I didn't have that. <laughs> if I start doing that, I'll sound Australian. <laughs> no. That's how it always works. Okay. Okay, so we saw this film, A Ghost Story. It's um, well, it's David Lowry's new film. And David Lowry's from the Dallas area. He's from Texas. Uh, he did um, Peach Dragon, which is a wonderful which film. Which we loved. He did he Ain't Them like Body Yoda. Saints and made himself famous years ago. Mm-hmm. So this is his little low-budget Movie that yes, it is cost a one. It's a hundred thousand dollar movie. I'm surprised it cost that. Much. It's already doubled its money. It is slow, slow, <laughs> slow. She eats. Rooney Mara eats a pie for nine minutes. It, There's uh, a nine minute lock off shot where for was, nine minutes she that was eats only pie. nine minutes. Yes. It felt like it was two hours. Listen, I'm kind of a fan. The more I think about it, but I'm I'm going to give it to you because I think this is a love it hate it film, and love it might be a little bit too much, but it's about. Uh, Casey Affleck, who mumbles through most of his films anyway, did not say much and won the Oscar and and deserved it in Manchester mm-hmm. by the Sea. So he plays a guy who uh, passes away very early in this film, not given much away. And he comes back as a ghost, but he has a sheet over him with his little eyes cut out <laughs> and uh, stands there and just kind of <gasps> stares at her and wanders around the house. And it goes through different generations of the house, even in the past. So it's a time-shifting movie. And, of course, she moves on and moves out, and somebody else moves in, and it's this melancholy ghost. Most most ghost movies are about being haunted by ghosts. This is about ghosts being haunted, I think, by humans, or by where they live, or where they grew up, or where they had the love of their life. I, I think it's a completely different take on it. I also think there's a beauty to this film, but, boy, it's about staring at something. <laughs> it's about staring at something for two hours. And movies, uh-huh. movies need 99% of the time to not just have somebody stare at them. <laughs> it is the ultimate art film. 
Um, yeah. Did you just hate every <laughs> yeah. minute of it? <laughs> well, and I think I, I looked at you halfway through and said, this feels like a Terrence Malick film. But I would also say Terrence Malick had a little bit more, had a little bit more going on <laughs> in most of his films. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't disagree. I couldn't agree more. It's Terrence Malick. Terrence Malick is on steroids compared to this yeah, film. Yeah, like he's talking the entire time. <laughs> But, I, but, this but I think I think Lowry made the exact film that he wanted to make, whether we connected with it or not. Absolutely. Yeah. So you got to give it for that. And now, how he—it's really going to be fascinating to see how this plays out because I think it's a big walkout movie, and then I think art fans are going to kind of love it. Well, and you said it's it's done very well right now on Rotten Tomatoes. So yay, yay to all the artsy it's critics like out in the there. Eighties, and and it just wasn't. Maybe I just you know I hadn't. Um, I, I I was traveling last week, yeah. so I'd missed the the last few few films. So oh, I don't think if you see it again, maybe you're I was like okay. <laughs> no, no, I don't think that. I just yeah. maybe I was just excited for a film that was going to have a little bit of punch and. There was really no, um, there was no no punch in this. And but I actually took kind of a different take. I I got it that he that he almost couldn't like like the house was his purgatory or something, and that yeah. he he wasn't able to move on. He had to sit there and live through these multiple generations. Like it was the house that was keeping him, not his desire to see her again or yeah. or the. It, it, because even when the house goes away, he's still there. There's there was something about this this little piece yeah. of of land, and you know maybe at the end some of that was finally revealed or at least discussed a little bit. But yeah, it won my film. I think it's about uh, having no faith. I think a lot of the movie to me is there's there's no afterlife other than you just kind of exist in in this kind of ghost like state. There's no, I don't I don't think there's. To me, it's not. It, it, it's like, is that all there is? Am I going to just wander around the rest of my existence? No, I think that there was something that they were. Do you were think waiting he had a for. chance to go? To oh, the I end? think that because I, I think that there was a little bit of that revealed in that little door that opens. No, in that other. Um, oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. that you know, you know, yeah, we're, yeah, you yeah. got it. But I think that I don't know. It still didn't have. I think that yes, he eventually goes someplace, but. There was something that was keeping him there. Right. And I'm going to say it again. Sheets of pie for nine minutes. It, um, so anyway, let's talk about a wine that's much better. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, I just I, I just didn't get it. So um, if you decide to um, enjoy this, this lovely film, then why not pair it with one of the ghost winery wines of Napa Valley? So not a, a wine that is going to haunt you or has any ghostly um, spirits coming at you. But actually, a lot of these historic wineries that are in Napa, many of them have been saved. Um, have, have great history. So some of the hmm. oldest, some of the oldest wineries in Napa were actually, if you think about Napa, and I'm kind of talking around in a few different things, but, um, pre-prohibition time in Napa, there were over 700 different wineries in California, many of them within the Napa Valley region. Um, many of them dating back to the early 1800s. So by the time that, um, and then obviously prohibition, the worst thing that we could do to ourselves happened. Um, many of these wineries just went into disarray. You know, some of them were able to survive uh, because of like Christian Brothers and I, because of and Behringer Brothers, because they made sacramental wine. But many of, of hmm. them, of these great historic wineries, just had to shut their doors. And they're great these fantastic stone structures 
were just left there. And many of them, thankfully, in the 1970s and 80s and and even to this day, have been revived. And so there are some of these really historic ghost wineries that are still dotted throughout um, throughout Napa Valley in particular, including the gorgeous winery that's Farniente, which mm-hmm. we love. It's, Stunning, beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful just structures. Yes. I think one of the most beautiful buildings in Napa, Ladera, that gorgeous stone building at La Jota. Yes. There's some really, really wonderful ones. But then there's one in particular that I just kind of love the story and how they've taken this whole ghost winery idea and and then created something even more special from it. And that's Flora Springs that's also in Napa. They have their historic ghost winery in St. Helena. And every year they actually produce a ghost winery wine from a, a very historic vineyard in St. Helena. And they make a Malbec. And it's wow. their ghost winery Malbec. It's produced every year. Their label actually has kind of an original etching, or a, a, not an original, but a, an etching of that original building, um, this old historic historic building yeah. that that kind of just is a nod to both the history of Napa as well as this particular structure as well as just a really really special wine. So it's a great Malbec, lots of black cherry, lots of spice, um kind of some leathery, some really earthy notes and and something that I just thought would be a little bit more a little more interesting than this uh than if this you, film If you was. drank a Florida Springs uh, ghost runner wine, if you drank this Malbec while watching that movie would it help? Um absolutely. I think that you could drink like I will. Yeah. You want to go I think, stronger? I, yeah, you need, but I, I I think that you will yeah. enjoy the film better with alcohol. A large glass of of Flora Springs Ghost Winery Malbec. Yeah, waiter, I'll have a double pour. Yes, the, <laughs> just bring the bottle of the Flora Springs Ghost. Uh, so Valerian uh, and the City of a Thousand Planets. It's Luc Besson. He's a French filmmaker who's, I think, a really interesting filmmaker, but it's been a long time, and he's been trying to get this made for years. It's based on a, a French science fiction comic book series called Valerian and Laura Lane. And by the way, Valerian is the name of a person, not a city or a planet. And so you get in there, it's it's kind of beautiful to watch. I think this is either the worst film of the year or one of the better films of the year. And mm. I'm kind of in the middle more towards better because I, I found it beautiful to watch. I think it's kind of a mess. I think it's a grand $180 million mess. Wow. I don't quite understand what it's all about. And I really don't care because visually it's kind of stunning to watch. There's lots of monsters and creatures, all kinds of stuff. Rihanna sings a song and then shapeshifts every verse into something else. Very cool. And it's kind of cool mm-hmm. or it's kind of bad. <laughs> Depending you know, if you want if you want deep, dark, interesting, well developed, this is not the film. If you want a visionary filmmaker who's going off the chart and kind of just lighten the sparklers the entire time, I mean from the get-go, I think the opening 20 minutes of this film is stunning beautiful. And I I it's full of creatures and he creates an entire planet and movie environment kind of like Dunkirk does in its own mm-hmm. thing that's that's a very specific environment this is much bigger and grander and all over the universe but it's all in and everyone's all in in Valerian and I, I think it's worth I think if you love movies you kind of have to see this and realize that you might hate it but I think you'll be at least fascinated by it I, I kind of admire parts of it so uh, it's being really slammed or really loved, and I'm a little bit more towards the love part. And by the way, it's got Ethan Hawke, and it's got the great Clive Owen, and Clive's the bad guy in the film. Yeah. Clive is a general in the film, oh, and he ends up being wrapped up in a gunny sack, and, uh, you know, 
hung up in the air about 500 feet. Good for Clive. Yeah, it's Clive. I hope he made a lot of money for it. And Clive's it. grain a little bit. And we, love, we love the great Clive Owen. Love Clive. We love He's him. a handsome man. Okay, we both love this movie, Okja. Let's talk about it after the break. You want to do that? To, yeah. We'll take a break and we'll come back. We'll do a little Okja talk. Also, an epic trip to Napa and Sonoma, a wine country spectacular that includes cake bread and Jordan and Ramey and Domaine Carneros and the great Ramsgate and much, much more. And we will be right back. Welcome back to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. So let's talk about Okja before we get to Napa and Sonoma. We both love this film. We're infatuated with the film. I can't stop thinking about it, and it has altered my eating habits. I'm very glad to hear that. Slightly. Not all of it, but it's really interesting because it's about a girl who raises a giant pig. That was an experiment 10 years before in a lab through GMOs. Right. And it's so a it's com- a film. It's yeah. it's on Netflix. It's yeah. only on Netflix. It's um, was produced by Netflix. It, um, it's a South Korean film. South Korean film. South Korean filmmaker. South Korean young star with American actors in with, it. With Amer- with Paul yeah. Dano and, and it's in English. Swinton and, yeah. and 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 yes, this basically the 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 purpose of the pig is to to help feed the world and figure out how to how to grow the best. GMO created source of of meat, for, and of course, bigger means more meat for the world, right. and and it's going to be you know this this very I guess heroic idea, but that's her that's it's this little girl's it's this little girl's baby it's her right. little it's her Yoda and well they and come they they, they, they they come and take her Yoda they come and take her her little baby they come and take her Okpa that's her that's her best friend and there's such just just the 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 CGI, the creation of this pig, and and the the emotions shown through the eyes of this animated character or, or creature are so beautiful. When she speaks to him in his little ear, and there's just such a a beauty and a friendship, and and so I think that it's it's a message movie that is wrapped in really beautiful entertainment. Yeah, it is. It's an entertaining film and it's disturbing and it's an R-rated film. There's a lot of rough language in it and I, I it looks like a kid's film and it's not. It's not. So if you're a parent, don't do this. But I I'm I think it's an Oscar level film. I hope by the end of the year and the idea that Netflix did this is really really cool. So we're big fans of Okja. Um, know what you're getting into. Uh, well, and I'm glad, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a pork eater personally, but well, that's yeah, just my, my, my preference. I certainly, um, have cooked it for many, but I, I think it just kind of goes to that. If you're just know, if, if you're going to eat it, know what you're eating and make sure that that's the best thing for you. I think because of this movie, I'm kind of out on it now. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm kind of out on it, and I, I kind of like that. That a movie actually changed my—I've known this all along, mm-hmm. everything intellectual I've known, but this movie really affected me. I think it's just great stuff. So let's go to Napa. It's really beautiful, yeah. yeah so if you if you have Netflix, then then yeah. please watch it. If you don't, then get, then, it. Then get it and watch House of Cards while you're at yeah, it. Yes, while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, it was out in Napa and Sonoma last week. And then you came and joined me for a few days. I came and joined you on the Sonoma side. On, on a, yes, the the end of the trip. But you were there earlier, and I remember you started with Bubbly. I did. You know, I always loved. I I had planned a, a trip for for a dear friend, and then some of her friends. And I always love any time that that I do any kind of of wine country experience to start with Bubbles. Nice. Um, the incredible people um, at Domaine Carneros, which, as you know, is one of my most favorite. We just actually had a. Bottle 
bottle of their 2006 Larev the other night, which is their kind of high-end, super special. I think we celebrated the we other did, night. We did. We um, did. Yeah. Sparkling wine. Um, it's it's Tatinger's property and um, and Carneros, so Champagne House Tatinger's property and Carneros. We've talked about Domaine Carneros a lot on on the show. Eileen Crane, who I just adore, is their their incredible winemaker and and has just such a a beautiful, delicate touch to the wines that she makes. Um, her Ultra Brute, which is her zero dosage, um, very very dry sparkler, I just like sends me to the moon. So mm. start a great way to start. Um, had just really lovely. Had a beautiful tasting at cake bread. Oh, don't we love cake bread? Cake bread, you know, their Chardonnay just again kind of I'm just done. Their Dancing Bear Cabernet Sauvignon from high atop Howl Mountain. That was kind of my my my. Oh, this is just so good. This is why we love Napa Cab um, because that that the beautiful volcanic iron rich soil of Howl Mountain just just add what a lot of people call a very masculine, creative, very masculine wine. I think it's just just delicious. As of, I'm over the moon about that. I love their Chardonnay. Absolutely. Their Chardonnay yeah. is just one of the most classic, true California Chardonnays. Always beautiful. Great tasting with, with Maryvale and Duckhorn. Had a lovely did time. Did you go to Maryvale? We, did we, you sample the profile for we, me? We did. You know, we um, we actually just stopped in there very briefly. Um, had a glass of their Solstice Bubble, which oh, was good. just really beautiful and and kind of just did a just did a little a little hello with them. Had a lovely tasting though at Pine Ridge. There's a new kind of tasting area down at Pine Ridge in Stag's Leap in the Stag's Leap district. Um, kind of deep in their caves. Uh, it's called Cellar 47. And it's hmm. just it was so hot outside that then when you kind of go deep into the back of the caves and That's it's cool. nice and cool and you drink these really like great, night. Yeah. really great calves. Really, really special. Um, had a lovely tasting, then went over to the Sonoma side um, with Bonovia, their beautiful um, Pinot Noirs. You and I had done that several yes. years ago. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, we had a really, really good time, though. I'm actually very sorry that you missed this because one of my one of my old buddies did a Dallas and Corked w- event with a lovely Texan years ago that was a wine broker, and now she's actually making wine. Her name's Allison Smith Story. She and her husband Eric Story created Smith Story Wines, uh, making beautiful Pinot Noirs from Anderson Valley, as well as a, a handful of other things. They make a Simeon, she does a little bit of Chardonnay. But then at the end of, of the night, we had actually had her over to dinner. And, and at the end of the night, after all of this just luscious, lovely, you know, beautiful Pinot Noir, she she has a, a Nash Hill Pinot that I would say if you don't think if you only drink cab because you want a hearty red wine, this is like the perfect Pinot for a cab drinker. Wow. But then she breaks out this like cab franc that I'm like, where in the world did this come from? You're a cab I'm franc such freak. A cab franc freak. Yeah, and it are. was just, just beautiful. And she was adorable and charming and lovely as ever. So excited for her and excited to see this little brand because they're still very, very new really really developing into some some very special wines so yeah. so can't wait to see the next phase they just opened their tasting room up in i think it's philo 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 it's in anderson valley it's a tiny little town in 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 mendocino county um so far north north you know about an hour and a half north of sonoma um 
and just excited, excited for them. But then you join. And then me. I get on a plane with Don and Ellen. Yes. And so we fly out the three of us because we're going to join you in Sonoma, just outside of Healdsburg. Yes. We're going to meet you at Jordan, which is always which is a, always yes. kind of stunning. And we pull up, and they have this table all set up with flowers on it. It's outdoors, and we fly in from Texas. You've been there a few days. We fly in from Texas, where it's ninety eight degrees and humid. And it's almost 90 there, but it feels it's awesome. It's just dry. Because it's, it's dry, dry and there's a breeze yeah. going on. And it's beautiful. They've got a garden. It's just, uh, their, their plus garden their wines, their Jordan wines. The, Jordan Chardonnay, always, always a favorite. Their Ellen Alex, loves the Chardonnay. Yes, she does. In the Alexander Valley cab. Exciting thing yeah. also from Jordan is that they just introduced, and I, I got to experience it. I'm sorry. that well, Ellen had a little bit, too, of, of a brand-new champagne product because they used to always um, pour the, the wine for Jay, because that was their sister winery, mm-hmm. and then Jay sold to Gallo, and so they actually, John Jordan, and with a lot of help from a lot of different people, um, have have developed with a, a small, um, kind of a, a small boutique champagne producer in Champagne, a Jordan Champagne. That and it's they're beautiful. Now, and it's, it's just yeah. lovely and super dry, really, really light, but very, very classic, you know, a, a really special champagne excited that was just introduced like two months ago. That so. was fun for us to drive, uh, flying to San Francisco, drive over the Golden Gate Bridge, yeah. and then show up with a glass of bubbly. Yes. At Jordan. Great way to start. Two and, hours. Yeah. Well, and then the next morning, because as I said, we do love to, to start any experience with bubbles, we had a really, really great tasting at Jay. So, mm-hmm. as I said, used to be um, owned by John's sister, Judy Jordan. She sold to Gallo just a couple of years ago, and Gallo has gone in and kind of redone their whole tasting area and tasting experience. I will say that was just, it was just beautiful. That was a beautiful, lovely Fantastic tasting, and I really appreciate what Gallo has done with that particular winery. And I think what they're doing with a lot of the the new properties they're purchasing, kind of that same idea that that we're seeing with a lot of uh, maybe the bigger producers going in and buying some of these smaller boutique wineries, and that is keeping, you know, letting the wines do what they do and taking the back office stuff off their hands. Right. We, we had a chance to visit with their winemaker who's been there, I want to say, did he say 2006, 2008? I think so, yeah. Um, continuing to make really special wines. Um, they, Train them up to be great, just continue doing what they're doing. Exactly. And exactly. even maybe even better. Because now they don't have the worry of some of the kind of like back office stuff and how to get samples yeah. out. And some of like all of the the mechanics to actually make a winery run, you know, let yeah. let let somebody else take that. You just focus on growing great fruit making really good wine. It's hard to find an ugly-looking winery anywhere out yeah. there. Jay is one of the most beautiful. It's really beautiful. That Their was grounds stunning are... walking in there. Those those tasting rooms were. Lovely. So, way to go, Hale. And then we had what I thought was just such a, it was such a special experience at, at still kind of a new winery for both of us, one called Lambert Bridge. Yes. That's in Dry Creek. I think we touched on it a little bit after we got back from, from the Passport to Dry Creek event a couple months ago. But we actually kind of went in and did a formal taste with their GM, um, Bill Smart. It was just, it was just like we were kind of just hanging out with friends, which I just really appreciated. I, I think as as our sweet friend Don said, um, after we had tried two wines or three wines 
we had the tasting menu in front of us of what we thought we were going to taste, but then by the time we were on the third one, we had already like gone off menu. Gone off menu. He's pulling out different bottles. Also, it's very Bordeaux or it's very French style. Well, it's they there. You think Dry Creek, and from what we experienced, especially at that passport event, we were in the middle of like Zinfandel land. Yes, but they are making really great Bordeaux varieties. I think their winemaker Jen really that's her focus is she wants to make really great. She had just gotten back from Bordeaux. They're they're definitely an old world style, um, letting the terroir shine, letting the 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 earth really come through in each of their wines instead of this big fruit forward. I'm in your face, overly yep. ripe. Um, they were California all nuanced wines. and beautiful, really lovely. Yeah, very complicated, really, and wines that are going to lay down for a long, long time. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Lambert Bridge, and I think we drove over Lambert Bridge. I think we did. We, did. <laughs> we were on the road as well. <laughs> I, I have it in my memory what that looks like now. Yes. Um, and then had a great we we um, did a little Chardonnay tasting with Ramy and their winemaker, um, their assistant winemaker Lydia Cummins, that I know Ellen loved because she is obviously was as we said a little bit ago, big Chardonnay drinker. Some of them were just so special. I think do we have a ten year old? I think we had a ten year old. Yeah, two thousand seven, ten or twelve. Yeah, that was just. I think when you, if you are ever worried about if if a California Chardonnay will age, yes, it will. Yes, it will. It was luscious and And lovely, and still had such bright acidity. That that wine still had five or you know five to eight years left in it. It was that was a really special opportunity. When they start to to go over the edge, start to become a little bit like honey. Mm-hmm. This wasn't there yet. No, this was it, it still just, had that acidity. Yeah. There was still some some yeah. beautiful brightness in the wine yeah. that that you look for. It had some of the you know you were getting some more of the maybe toasted or dried kind of fruit notes, but it still had that yeah. freshness, and that's what's so special. I I, I think their wine is just spectacular. And, just really good. You know, I will say we we ended on a very very high note. A winery we've also talked about a lot. Um, great partner to Dallas Uncorked as well. We we ended our our time at Ramsgate and what I want to say is one of the most beautiful wineries in in Northern California. The Howard Bracken designed um, really kind of showplace. I think that their whole story for for some time was just how how inviting and welcoming their their winery was for guests and and then come back around and they're making really, really beautiful wine. Beautiful wines. And I would send everyone I know to Ramsgate. Yeah. Well, actually, all of these I would, but I would send everyone I know to Ramsgate. If you want a special experience to sit down and go somewhere and drink a wine that you've probably never had, a lot of There's, people have I not. Mean, and that's, it's, it's getting out there more now. It's getting out there more, but it's such small production. You know, like, I think they're— Well, of, you introduced it to Texas. Well, one of their one yeah. of their wines, um, the Hyde Vineyard Chardonnay, which I am, you know, again, just such a, such a big fan of, um, it's like 420 cases or 450 cases. Yeah. That's not a lot of wine. No. Um, hadn't I think of them as a Chardonnay and Pinot Noir producer, but we also tried their Hyde Vineyard Syrah. Like, where did this come from? And that Syrah was the bomb. Had a lovely little kind of meaty smokiness that I love, along with great fruit, along with great texture and structure. Really, really special. And again, we'd been there a couple times, but hadn't actually had kind of a formal tasting with them. So it was really special yeah. to, to be able to do that and have that experience with with our very dear friends. Well, and, I think Don and Ellen both said like this was kind of spectacular. Oh well. And we're gonna say hanging out with you in Sonoma. You time. hanging out in Napa, but us with you in Sonoma. 
Way to go. We had a good time. They come out Very of the woodwork, and it's really <laughs> cool. Next week on Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, the summer films continue, as well as Perfect Wine Pairings. They just go on and on. <laughs> and we both highly recommend that you see Dunkirk. Uh, we, wanna, we can't say enough about this film. A war film of elegance and poetry, and yes, of substance. Wonderful. Thanks, Gary. But for more on the films and the wines we've talked about today, please check out our blog on Cogill Consulting or through Facebook. Follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill and see what we're drinking now by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas and Court. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill. And as usual, I'm looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.